Hey, soccer fans, this is Nick for Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. If you didn't hear the news last week, I am back once again working with Mike here at SOP Central. He'll continue to do his betting picks and predictions and all of his live watch-alongs and really foster all that great conversation here in the American soccer community. And I am back doing your weekly MLS recaps, roundups, highlights, hitting all the games from this past week in MLS. Now, this particular week, week eight, as well as U.S. Open Cup Roundup, because we have the introduction of MLS teams now in the U.S. Open Cup third round. But before we get into it, I got to first say, Christos Anesti, Christ has risen to all our Orthodox friends and fans out there. I hope you have a blessed Easter and, and joyous Easter season. Now, let's hit that intro. <laughs> Hey, soccer fans, Nick for SOP Soccer Central, back again, talking all things MLS soccer in week eight. And like I said before that little intro video came in, Christos Anesti, Christ has risen. I have spent my entire weekend at church and then just stuffing my face with meat and all sorts of goodies and Lenten cookies, desserts, a few drinks, of course, because as an Orthodox Christian, my Easter was a week later than the Western Christian churches. And I am just glowing with like grease and glowing with MLS excitement. And as much as we got to celebrate Easter this weekend, not a lot of miracles for some MLS teams, though I think this was the weekend of the comeback, right? We had a few comfort behind victories. We had a lot of goals scored in some of those later matches. Gosh, it's like the MLS wants us to stay up and watch these late night games so they let these goals just keep flowing and i am all for it now before we get into our breakdowns and reviews of each game make sure that you like the video subscribe to the channel sop soccer central on youtube and follow along on twitter at sop soccer also don't forget about the super chats right if you love what we're doing and you want to contribute to the conversation or just show your appreciation or maybe get your name scrolling down below Send in a super chat, subscribe to the channel, all sorts of great perks, including emojis, recognitions, discounts on the swag, which you can get via the link in the description below. So make sure you check all that out. Again, I got to make my boss happy. I got to make Mike happy. So let's get some of that money flowing here, everybody. And as well, all the money that we make on SOP Soccer Central goes right back into the channel. It goes right back into graphics and music, design. It goes into technology so we can have better cameras, mics, lighting, as well as marketing too. So we can continue to grow the conversation of soccer here in the U.S. Now we're continuing our new format where I'm pre-recording this so that Mike and I can be active in the chat uh, rather than just kind of reading messages and, and delaying some of our coverage and recaps for you so we're going to be over there uh chatting away so make sure that you give us your comments and we'll work them in and we'll reply as best we can and if you like what i bring if you like the energy that i'm bringing the conversation that i have you can find me on my own channel wife children house wife.children.house uh, where i talk soccer do some sketch comedy based on different soccer stuff as well as do a weekly chicago fire breakdown where i look at some of the advanced stats lineups and replays of uh, some of the Chicago Fire games this week. Uh, now, let's dive in. We've talked enough housekeeping. We've talked enough chit-chat, even though I love chatting with all of you out there. Let's dive right in to these games, and let's bring up our stats. Here we go. To kick the weekend off in broadcast, in scheduling order, Dallas kicks things off against Houston on Saturday, April 23rd with a late, late stunner. 90 plus three. So Dallas can get those three points. A two to one victory over their Texas Derby rivals, Houston. Now, great, great come from behind win. Like I said, that was kind of the theme of the weekend. Uh, and what was really great about this game is that it's an early test for these teams to kind of jockey some playoff positioning. We all knew the Texas teams, Austin, Dallas, Houston, not good last year. In fact, I think they were the bottom three teams in the Western Conference last year. 
So for them to kind of be a little bit resurgent, to have a little bit more confidence going forward here, this was a really good test in this kind of first quarter, first third of the season. And, hey, Dallas is able to kind of make that jump over Houston at least this week. Now, the two managers here, Nico Estevez for Dallas and Paulo Nagamura for Houston, first-year managers for these clubs, and they are really finding their way as coaches in this league. So it's great to see. I really think once these two teams start spending some more money and bringing in some players, uh, not that Houston isn't going to bring in Hector Herrera, Ache Ache, up from uh, Liga MX, uh, these coaches are going to be able to work with them. So I think they're proving themselves. I think they're proving that they can win the locker room, win the fans, have some good tactics on the field, win some games, and then the front offices can invest in them. Now, taking a breakdown of the game here, fairly even on position, about 50-50, uh, though Dallas did kind of dominate some of the other offensive categories. Shots, shots on goal, 14-7 and seven, to Houston's 9-2, right? And, and look at these passing numbers, though. Over 400 passes for each team in the 88 and 84% passing completion. So these teams are really moving the balls around and really completing uh, a lot of their passes here. So that was a good look for both of these teams. This was an exciting game to watch. One thing I like looking at is I look like looking at expected goals, which tells you how many goals a team should have scored based on the quality of chance, right? So that shot is compared to, you know, thousands and thousands of other shots of that same area, that same difficulty, essentially. And these statistics companies will say, okay, a thousand times this shot has happened, you know, 900, it goes in. So we're going to give it a 0.9 expected goal and so they should score that 0.9 out of every one time that shot goes in or nine out of every 10 times that shot goes in so let's look at where these shots came from and you can see here with dallas really peppering from inside the box and even a couple distance shots here meanwhile houston not really any good opportunities if we look at the expected goals here though dallas 2.2 expected goals in houston one expected goal so that score really accurately reflect, reflects the quality of chances with Dallas having the 2-1 victory. So good for FC Dallas. Good to kind of kick things off here and let you kind of know what I look at when I go through the, the stats and some of the box score type stuff here. And we can continue rolling right along here. We're going to close out Dallas and Houston and dive into Philly and Montreal. So from Texas, from the West, now we're heading back to the Eastern Conference, and the East Coast in Philly. A 1-1 draw. We get a goal from Carranza, a PK for Philly, and then Kamara. Who else? Who else but Kamara, right? How many teams has he played for and scored for? He, he levels it for Montreal. Now, my thoughts on this one. Again, Philly needs to really start getting some consistent goal scoring and some increased goal scoring, right? They kind of have been doing it by committee. They kind of have a really good system here, but they don't have that one star striker who can threaten back lines, who can threaten opposing goalkeepers week in and week out. Now, the Chicago Fire thought that guy was going to be Casper Shabilko, which is why they signed him away from Philly, uh, but we know that's not working out for Chicago, and Philly has kind of just picked up where they left off since losing Shabilko. is just kind of seeing who's going to score this week. Now, Gazdok has been putting him in the back of the net, and if they can get him hot, maybe he becomes that star striker for them. But in the meantime, they are looking for a different player to step up on a weekly basis. Now, Montreal, we saw a lot of great play from Jordi Mihailovic the last few weeks. Some people are saying dark horse MVP candidate Jordi Mihailovic, right? Uh, but in this game, he does not get on the score sheet. And not to say he didn't affect the game by any means, but just not getting on that score sheet, not putting, he's going to have to put up eye popping numbers because he's not one of these huge MLS stars. If he wants any chance to get into that MLS MVP conversation. Now looking at some of the statistics here, Philadelphia, Montreal possession, 45 to 55. So a fairly even game there. Uh, Montreal did take a few more shots, did dominate the passing here. As you can see, 444 passes to 380 and an 80% completion rate. Um, but they were unable to turn that into quality chances because if we keep scrolling down here, look at not many shots, as you can see on the shot map. If we keep scrolling down here, expected goals, Philly 1.2, Montreal 0.5. So not a lot of great opportunities, not a lot of really high percentage type of offense in this game. But that's not to take away from the fact that both teams you know, played pretty solid, but it was kind of what I expected, right? 
two good teams who are kind of fighting uh, to stay above that playoff line, at least Montreal and Philly staying in that top four. So uh, a solid result for Montreal. Not what Philly wants. They want to be winning these games, especially at home. Uh, but you know what? You, they didn't drop. Uh, they didn't drop three points here. They at least picked up one point. And I guess you just take it and move on if you are the Union. Now we're going to look at Minnesota and Chicago. I'm going to just briefly give you uh, the goals here because uh, our friend and our sponsor and uh, one of our earliest listeners back when we were recording a podcast in my garage and Mike's RV. Uh, John Donovan will be giving you the update on all things Chicago Fire uh, in our halftime break segment over on the podcast side. So make sure you go check us out on Anchor FM and just about every other podcast platform that's out there or that's worth listening to maybe. Uh, and you will hear John's recap of this 3 nothing Minnesota United victory over the Fire with Reynoso, Ariaga, and Lud scoring three goals from the 72nd minute on to really put this kind of poor, poor performance by the fire to bed. Uh, we do see a red card from Federico Navarro in the 77th minute. So this is, I think, the second straight game where the Chicago Fire picked up a red. Not a good look for the men in red. Uh, they want to be scoring goals, not being shown the locker room. Anyway, make sure you tune in on the podcast. Also, you can go check out my channel, Wife, Children, House, uh, for a fire recap coming up later in the week, and we're going to break down some advanced statistics in this game. Now, D.C. United with a new coach and maybe a new coach bump. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, Hernan Losada being shown the door. Interesting considering he actually had D.C. playing pretty well last year. Um, had them off to an okay start this year. But really, I think it was just a conflict in philosophy and personality uh, with him and the front office and the players. Supposedly, he lost the locker room. Players didn't want to be put through this just rigorous rigorous uh, standards that he had. Look, you want high standards. You want to expect the most. Players want to have a lot expected of them, but they don't want to have these demands where it's just ruining, ruining who they are, ruining their fun and, and their joy of the game, right? So they got rid of Losada, brought in uh, an interim coach whose name escapes me at this point, uh, and they get a little bit of that new, co new coach bump because they go down early. Brandon by scores in the sixth minute for New England, but then DC comes back with three more goals in the first half, and they go into halftime 3-1. I got a point out here. Taxiarchis Fontes, fellow Greek, fellow Helene, gotta gotta recognize him getting on the scoreboard. Their new DP signing from overseas, playing who's played all over uh, in some of the lower leagues in Europe, now making his mark in MLS. Now, Buxa does pull one back for New England to make those kind of last 5-10 minutes a little exciting. But in the end, D.C. walks away with three points from their home game. There's a little piece of me that likes seeing Bruce Arena get humbled like this. But you know what? A New England team with this much talent can't keep struggling like this. It's just it's hard to watch. Now, let's take a look at the stats. You know, when I say hard to watch, look at that. 68% possession, 20 shots, 8 on goal. That's not bad. 8 shots on goal is not bad. We'll see what the XG reveals if they're getting quality looks. But, man, you put 20 shots up and you walk away with two goals, one in the sixth minute and one in the 86th minute. Maybe not the best uh, performance from your team. Though, you know, I'm sure Bruce is going to come out and say they kept fighting. It just didn't go our way. You know, I didn't listen to his post game, uh, and we'll see what they do next week. Look at these passing numbers. Insanely high passing numbers for New England. Like, they are padding the stats like this is another one of those games where you might see Carl's Hill get uh, some more MVP looks just because of the number of passes and things that he did in this game. Right. Also, 31 crosses from New England. They were just lobbing balls in. I wonder how many of those came towards the end of the game when they were trying to, you know, push to pull one back and push for that equalizer. But anyway, let's continue scrolling on down. Uh, you did see D.C. here with 28 clearances and 11 fouls. So that definitely shows they were playing a very defensive game and making sure that they weren't going to allow that late equalizer. You can see from the shot chart here that New England had tons of shots from inside the 18-yard box. And looking at that expected goal, though, only 1.6 for D.C. So they made the most of these lower-quality chances to net those three goals. Meanwhile, New England, 2.1 XG hits it right there on the head as far as their two goals. Um, so New England not creating enough chances in this game. 
just shows that D- DC knows how to play solid defensively, and maybe that's the game plan as they get their new coach. Let's set up a solid defense, and then we'll build out from there. Now let's keep it rolling here. You know me, I like to talk. I'm a lawyer in the daytime. I'm a soccer fan after hours, so I can get talking a little bit. So let's kind of pick up the pace here, everyone, see if you can keep up with me, and we'll get through these next few games here. Austin continues their hot goal scoring, 3 nothing over Vancouver. They have 20 goals on the season. That is tied for the or no, that is the most in MLS. They are one ahead of LAFC, who has 19, and they've only allowed seven goals now through eight games. So not only are they finding the back of the net, they are protecting their own net. Meanwhile, Whitecaps keep slumping, the worst team in MLS right now, lost three in a row. When's Brian White going to get hot? I was promised Brian White is going to be a phenomenal striker and is going to be getting looks for national teams here, but they need to get him going without a doubt. Now, Austin take a different approach than D.C. They attacked. They had 67% of the possession here, knocked to get knocked around 656 passes at 88% accuracy. That is one of the highest passing accuracy numbers that I have seen all season. That is fantastic soccer from Austin FC. And let's get down to their expected goals here. Well, wow, look at that first half possession stats. Look at this here. They dominated the first half. XG here, 0.9? Somehow they score three goals when they were only expected to score less than one with the opportunities they create. That is just kudos to your Austin strikers, your Austin goal scorers of Maxi Rudy with the brace. Gosh, I love watching him play. He can always do something spectacular when he gets on the ball. And Sebastian Juicy in the 68th minute. Congratulations, Austin. You are rolling. Now, here are two teams who are not rolling, Sporting Kansas City and the Columbus Crew. Now, I hope Mike, in his last uh, betting picks and predictions video, picked a draw on this one. And I know I said in my last recap, I'll never bet against Peter Vermees, but I can't bet for him given his recent performances and Kansas City's results. So, gosh, maybe I should start betting Sporting Kansas City to start drawing some of the lesser teams in the MLS, especially 0-0. I just find it hard to believe that, you know, a Kansas City side with 63% of the possession and Johnny Russell on the pitch can't create more than three shots right this is that's a terrible look from kansas city we know they've been offensively challenged ever since Polito went down even last season and yet they failed to kind of address those needs uh we will see if kansas city can can get back on track at least they weren't conceding sloppy goals here but then again they're playing a struggling Columbus crew team and Caleb Porter didn't even do his post game. So people are really wondering if he's on the way out, if he even has any answers, like what he might have nothing to say anymore. So he just didn't do his post game. Anyway, Kansas city, Holy cow, 605 passes and 85% accuracy. Let's see how much they dominated uh, the possession here. Look at this. They were dominating long stretches of the game and just cannot find that, that last pass that finishing touch. And if you like advanced stats, look at 0.3 expected goals. So they only had three shots. And of those three shots, 0.3, we're going to go in. Terrible. Terrible offensive performances by these teams. They are struggling to do anything creative. Can't spend more time on a 0-0 draw. Let's move on. Ah, Speaking of 0-0 draws, go from one to the other, right? Colorado to Charlotte. You know, looking at the statistics here, fairly balanced, 45-55 possession, 11-16 to on shots. Well, at least Charlotte put five on net. Colorado didn't even get one on goal. Man, they really need a striker. And they got one. Beautiful segue from Columbus to Colorado. Giassi's artist actually gets traded to the Rapids for 300000 in GAM, which could go up to $1.4 million if he hits all of his incentives with the Rapids. And my goodness, they need to give him every opportunity to do so. It's kind of weird that a struggling team like Columbus trades one of their, I don't know, do you want to call him one of your best players? But definitely one of your most well-known commodities uh, and the face of your franchise for so many years uh, to a to Colorado, right? At least they got him out of the conference, so he's not going to come back and smoke him in a couple games this season. But Giassi Zardes hopefully can get this Colorado team from no shots on goal against expansion team Charlotte. No offense, Charlotte, but we know how expansion teams usually go. And maybe, let's see, bring up this XG number from 0.6 to something, I don't know, maybe over one or maybe to two. 
We'll see how Giazzi Zardes fits into Anthony Hudson's style of play, especially as Zardes is not one of those pure striker kind of guys. He does a lot of link-up play. He does a lot of hold-up play, and he, his passing is fantastic. He, he's great on flick-ons uh, for guys running in and around, around him. But we'll see how he fits in with Colorado. Uh, let's see. Any other notes that I have here? Hopefully Zardes, as a 30-year-old striker, can actually fit into the thin air over in Colorado. Now for our next match, we're staying out west. We're moving into the evening slate of games here, everybody. Portland draws Salt Lake 0-0. Now RSL come back with a nice performance after getting embarrassed by NYCFC last week, 6-0. And then I look at Portland, who's kind of going in the other direction, right? They they need a striker. They need a goal scorer. They need consistent offense because let's take a look-see here. 65% possession. They drop 15 shots, 5 on net but nothing to show for it. And I wonder if they kind of miss Jeremy Ebobise just a little bit, just a little bit. We'll see. Maybe they can do something this summer transfer window, or, hey, maybe what I've been thinking is finally coming true, that their trophy window, their championship window, is all but closed. Anyway, getting back to this game, Portland and Salt Lake. And by the way, Rocky, you got anything to say about that? What do you think? Are they going to bring a striker? Are they going to find somebody? Do you think that Portland can win some hardware within the next year or two? Anyway, let us know, Rocky. And hey, fans of the show, if you like the Portland Timbers, if you love MLS, go find Rocky at uh, Talkin, T-A-L-K-N, the Woods, uh, over on, on Instagram. And Rocky, drop your info into the chat here. Let us know, man, if you're watching and what you are doing to uh, kind of promote what's going on with your stuff, as well as, man, what's going on with Portland? Need to know the inside. We need to know what's going on with the Timbers. Now, again, excellent passing numbers, but how much of it is turning into offensive type of movements, good shots? Look at this domination on the on the, on the the uh, possession here, right? 0.5 expected goals. RSL had almost double the expected goals, so RSL had that many more better chances with their two shots on target than Portland did with their five. So that just makes me wonder if Portland – was trying to shoot from afar, stretch out that RSL defense. Let's see, Moreno, Espria. You know Espria is not um, afraid to tee one up from, you know, 20-some yards off. Built to Iloma, knocking a few in from outside the box, right? As well as getting one from inside the box. Maybe that's their striker to watch. I don't know. I don't know my lineups. Let's take a quick look here at Tuiloma and see where he plays because he was getting into some offensive areas. Uh, for Portland, and hopefully he can maybe start to create for them if you are, in fact, a Portland fan. So, oh, come on, MLSsoccer.com. Let's go. Tui Loma, um, yeah, stepping up from the center back position. So if that's how they want to play, if they want to have their defenders being the ones to generate offense, all the more power to them. But um, we need to see a lot more from these guys up front in Portland. All right, moving on and staying out west. I don't know what happened in the San Jose Seattle game. Like I'm, I really thought when I was looking at this, that the scoreboard operator was drunk four to three San Jose over Seattle. Now maybe San Jose had a little bit of that new coaching bump as well with Matias Almeida being shown the door in San Jose. Um, but look at this an Espinoza 90 plus four PK to seal the deal, seal his hat trick and get three points for the San Jose quakes here. Meanwhile, Seattle, we know who does it for them. Ladero, Roldan, and Morris. Typical. Typical goal scoring and gameplay from Seattle. Fortunately, the defense couldn't keep it together. Like I said, Espinoza for San Jose gets the hat trick. You will adds one in the 65th. And I got to tell you, so I watched like the first, I think like 20, 30 minutes of this game. I got to see Seattle go up 2-0. I'm like, wow, San Jose has nothing. Seattle's playing so well. But maybe Seattle then just got complacent and just felt like, yeah, we got this game because – I had to go take care of some stuff with the kids and bedtime and, and do some things before we went to church Saturday night for Easter, midnight service. Uh, I come back at about the 65th minute just in time to see the highlight of Jackson Ewell's goal. And I'm like, three to three. It was two nothing Seattle when I left. Man, maybe there was a miracle this this Orthodox Easter weekend. Um, I did see, too, San Jose does have a Greek kid on the roster. So maybe he he brought a little extra prayer for them. 
Anyway, San Jose, it's insane. Uh, the one thing I do want to point out in the officiating in this one, normally I like Ted Uncle officiated games. He's pretty good. He's stern. He doesn't take any crap from anyone, coaches, players, or anyone. But awarding that PK, interesting call. I, I really couldn't see it watching the highlights on MLSsoccer.com. If there was a handball, if there was a shove, really what the call was. So let me know in the comments here. But also, he could have gotten Nathan ejected, uh, the defender for San Jose. Could have had him on a couple yellows. He did get one yellow card, but there was just a, a knee-shattering tackle on Raul Ruiz Diaz that he came in high, studs up, just came through just to clear out the player. If he gets the ball, he gets the ball. And somehow, Ted Uncle did not give him even a yellow card, even though he went to VAR. And when he showed up at the VAR monitor, there is Nathan's cleats studs up into Rui Diaz's right under his knee. Like, it, it was ridiculous that there wasn't even a yellow given. And he looked at it for a minute or two. He looked at some of the footage of Nathan flying in. I thought for sure he was going to be gone. But you know what? I guess he didn't want to have a red card. And I think that was even in the 17th minute or something like that. Early on in the first half. But still, the whole point of that is to protect player safety and to make consistent calls. So I, I, I don't know if I agree with Ted Uncle a lot in this game, but normally I find him to be a pretty solid official. Now, we're going to do our last game of the 23rd on the Saturday, and then we're going to take a quick break. Now, this one, LA Galaxy hosting Nashville and the Galaxy getting the three points. Definitely not the way they wanted to do it. An 86-minute game winner by Yovel. Jovalich, sorry, it took me a second uh, with all those consonants there. Um, he gets the 86-minute winner, but as you can see looking at the statistics here, LA kind of dominated this game, right? 67% possession, 16 shots, 6 on goal, 718 passes, and 89% accuracy. So Nashville, as we know, likes to play defensively. They This was their last of their road games. They started their first eight games on the road uh, as they are finishing building their new stadium. Uh, so, yeah, I expected them to play a little defensively. I expected them to play a little conservatively. But, wow, to give up this much possession does not seem very characteristic from Nashville. Now let's go take a look at some of their offensive numbers here. Look at this passing network. Look at how solid all these lines are as LAFC, or as the LA Galaxy were just knocking it around compared to the skinny little not many passes coming from Nashville here. And then as we get down into the XG, LA... 0.9 expected goals to Nashville's 0.4. So at least Nashville had some quality opportunities in their few shots that they had, um, but could not find the back of the net, and they drop points to their new Western Conference rival, LA Galaxy. Now, that kind of rounds up things for that Saturday. We're going to take a short break. Here on the YouTube side of things, we are going to show you the special uh, our sponsor, and we want to thank uh, Skira Icelandic Spring Water uh, for being a sponsor of SOP Soccer Central, as well as especially our weekly recap show. Uh, on the podcast side of things, you're going to hear John Donovan talking about the Chicago Fire and their two losses this week, one in the Open Cup and one in MLS League play. So we're going to take a quick break, 20, 30 seconds, go get a refill, hurry up, run to the bathroom if you can, and we will be back in just a second. This MLS Weekly Recap is sponsored by Skira, Icelandic spring water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, yes, pun intended, it's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire update brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John. Nick, John Donovan here for the Chicago Fire. Uh, we have not had a good week, Nick. We lost a USL game on penalty kicks, and it was a sloppy game. I mean, we have MLS players sitting on the bench making MLS money. And we're losing to a Division Three squad from Omaha. They're called the Omaha Owls. We got whooped. In the last 15 minutes of the game, we did get whooped. And that was with four substitutes um, on the field that were starters for the team. 
So I don't know where this team is going, Nick. It, uh, they're right now, last week we were in seventh place. This week we're in 10th place. We're out of playoff position. And the teams below us are starting to move. Miami is starting to move. D.C. is starting to move. We're stuttering. They're starting. It's not not a good scene. The, the Omaha game, as I said, um, Duran started uh, and didn't play well. I, I mean, he, he's fast. He wanders all over the field. You kind of wonder what, what game he's playing in. Um, it, uh, it was kind of difficult to watch. Burks played in this game, and it was kind of surprising. He's not ready for the MLS. Um, I'm sure he was a wonderful college player. He, uh, he needs time in that MLS 2 squad to get, get himself to pro stature. He's tall. He's big. He's, I'm sure he's got skill, but he just uh, – him against Olmsburg, there's no comparison. Um, Andre Reynolds played this game. He played out a left fullback. Um, I've got more to say to, about him and a couple other players in a bit. Espinosa played right fullback. Um, Gutierrez played in the middle, and he had a good game. He, as a middle, um, as a center mid, like the Jordi Mahalovic, that's where he should be playing. Um, it, he's not. You know, when they put him on because of Shakira, they put him on in off positions. He is a good center mid, and that's where this kid could, should be playing. Offer played, um, and Duran played up, up front. We had no scoring other than penalty kicks, and one penalty Gutierrez got, it probably shouldn't have been a penalty. Chizos um, was the guy who scored both of the goals. So it was a 2-2 game, went to kick a playoffs or to penalty kicks. Omaha won, game lost. Um, I think it was the first of the MLS teams to lose to the minor league squads. And this was a minor league squad, third division. Um the man that probably played as bad as anybody on the field, he was in the area of both goals with Espinosa. Uh, I don't know where, what scout picked this kid up, but he looks like a player, but he just doesn't have that pro mentality to play in this league. Um, in this game, you know, just, I, I like the way some of the announcers, last year's announcers, would literally say these guys don't belong in this league. And I, I'll tell you right now, Offer should not be playing in the league. Reynolds should not be here. Casas had a playback to the uh, goalie that almost scored, uh, turned into a goal. He's had a couple of shots playing in the MLS level, and he's been pretty bad. And then Espinosa. I, I, um, I wouldn't be surprised, I hope, at midseason when they, the transfer market opens back up, that they figure out some way to put Espinosa back in Ecuador. Because he's not there. He's not at this level. Um, so we go into the next game, the Minnesota game. And in this game, Shakira was back, which is interesting. Um, he played 62 minutes, I believe. Um, they kept Pineda off the field. They, they started the other Navarro, Federico Navarro from, um, from Argentina. They ultimately lost this game 3-2 zip. So obviously scoring is not what we, we do well. Um, our two forwards literally, I mean, I don't know why they can't judge the ball coming down, but, you know, Philadelphia knew Chabilco was, was at the end of his line. And um, they, they brought additional center forwards in. And Ivanov just can't score. I mean, he, he can't get around men. He's his... Uh, he has zero shots, I believe. He's, it's just not happening up front. Even with Shakira feeding these guys, it's just not there. Um, uh, we had uh, Federico Navarro in, in the game in the second half. He had gotten a silly uh, yellow card. He, he goes down a lot. Got a yellow card early into the game, about the 30th minute. And then um, gets a second yellow card, and he goes sliding underneath the guy. Now, he did not touch the guy. I, I looked at it a couple of times. He, it was, I don't know whether this referee was right or wrong, but he did stop a play and the guy was right in front of the goal. So impeding the goal could have been uh, the reason for the yellow. But he's got to play, the whole team has to play more under control. This talking to the referees and Jimenez had one of those stupid 
open up your mouth uh, for what? What do you get out of a team that's out of control? So in the last 13 minutes of the game, they scored three goals, and they were lovely goals. Two of them came off of bad feeds from Olmstead. I, you know, he's played lights out this whole season. And I kind of hate to see him go down like that, but no goalie was going to stop some of these. Uh, Slonina came uh, across in the first half with a save that you rarely see. He was in the middle of the goal and somebody cornered a ball, a ball, a shot. He was able to leap up and parry it out of the goal. So wonderful play. Uh, unfortunately, those last 13 minutes with playing with 10 men, Minnesota is a talented squad, very talented squad. And um, so they lost. But, you know, what's interesting, Nick, in this game, again, um, the forwards are, are getting a little, uh, you know, he pulled out Gutierrez. And who does he put in as left forward is Bernstein. You know, he's got a bench full of homegrown forwards. And he had one, um, Rodriguez, on the Omaha game that played fairly well. He really did. He played fairly well. He didn't bring him with him. He brought the same guys, the offers, the, the Casas. Um, and these kids can't play in this league. Um, he's down to, and he knows it, he's down to Espinosa, who had a horrible game against Omaha, and Bernstein. And, you know, with 10 men, and it just made no sense he started that when he was down a man by one point, and by another seven or eight minutes, he's down by three points. Espinosa does not belong in this league. Hoffer does not belong in this league. Casas does not belong in this league. I mean, they've got to have some guys they can put on the bench. Herbert's coming back should help them a bit. Hopefully, this young man from um, from Mexico will put Ivanov on the bench. Be just they don't have that depth when Minnesota puts out their their replacements at a 60, 70 minute. These guys are faster, skill level, and that's what you need to get out there in the bench. Our homegrowns and our signings, we just don't have. We don't have the people on the on the squad. So shame on you, GM. We just got to um, if we're if we expect to make the playoffs, we got to do it now. And our next game, unfortunately, is against the New York Red Bulls, who are one of the hottest teams in the league. So if, you know, somehow or another we got to come out with somebody playing hard, I don't think um, Torres will be here until uh, May 1. So it's going to be a rough one, uh, Nick. Uh, I, I'm interested in anything anybody else says, but the, these two games were real bummers. Take care, guys. All right, soccer fans, we are back. And a big, big thank you to John Donovan for doing his Chicago Fire recaps. John, I hear you, man. I don't know how an MLS side like the Chicago Fire loses to Union Omaha. I think they're USL League One, which for those who don't know, you've got the MLS as the top tier of American soccer. You have the USL, which is the second tier. And within the USL, there is championship one and two. And uh, for a Union Omaha team, <laughs> yep, the Owls and their supporter section, the Parliament, if you uh, know your biology, um, a group of Owls is a Parliament. Uh, also, thank you, Tyler Terrence, for pointing that out on the Intercontinental Football Show, uh, a Chicago Fire and a little bit of an EPL podcast. So uh, some good humor there, some good fun with the USL team names, kind of like, you know, minor league baseball. But yeah, John, I don't know how the Chicago Fire lose that game. Or wait, do I? Yeah, definitely no depth. No depth. And most teams, most expansion teams, and I call the fire a re-expansion team because of all the changes they've had in the last couple of years, ownership, field, branding, designated players, all that good stuff, bringing up homegrowns. They just don't have, they barely have their starting 11, right? Not, they don't have the depth. Uh, would have liked to see some of their regular starters put some more effort into the open cup. I can't believe they didn't bring Shabilko onto the 90th. That's insane. Anyway, uh, John, thank you so much. We really do appreciate all your support and keeping us up to date on all things Chicago Fire. Now, viewers, SO peeps, listeners, everyone, make sure, got to do the reminder that you have already liked, that you have already subscribed to the video on YouTube. If you're listening to on the podcast, make sure you are liking, rating, reviewing, and coming on over to YouTube to find all of our links so you can stay more in touch with the best 
CONCACAF American soccer community here, Sons of a Pitch, Soccer Central. Also, don't forget about the Super Chats and the donations. You can check the link out below. Get your swag, too. Plenty of SOP gear available for purchase. Okay, Mike, we good? Did, did I do my job? Are you making any money yet? All right, I'll, I'll look for the paycheck. Thank you, Mike. Anyway, back to our recaps here. We have the next game up. Miami, 2-1 victors over the five stripes, Atlanta United. Campania continues his hot streak for Miami, netting in the 28th. Uh, Cis, uh, Cisneros originally put Atlanta up in the 13th minute, and then it is Duke in the 64th for Miami, who ends the game, who finishes it off, who seals the three points for the Herons of Miami. Um, and this was a, a completely different kind of a Miami game. Look at that, 36 percent possession only two shots on goal definitely conceding possession conceding passes winning duels though this is excellent six more duels won uh than their atlanta united counterparts but man look at these clearances look at the foul numbers like they were clearly playing a defensive game and you know that you kind of expected it because you know they're struggling and phil neville's like okay Back to basics. Let's play solid defense. Let's mix up our lineup. Iguain's not doing it. Let's give Campania a chance, and he has taken that chance and run with it. Similar to New England, there's a little piece of me that kind of likes when Atlanta struggles because it's like, oh man, you guys were so great. Now you're not. But at the same time, you do not like to see bad soccer or losing soccer or teams struggle when they have a star go down. You hope that MLS has gotten to the point where teams can absorb the loss of one of their best players. But unfortunately, Atlanta has not been able to do that. So let's kind of take a look at some of the other things here. Look at where Atlanta uh, was getting in the box. Look at this. All these shots here, right? Um, they were just all over the place. Meanwhile, Inter-Miami, four shots in the box, getting two goals, three of them from Campana. So he's getting in all the right places. He looks like a striker to watch. Anyway, looking at the XG, the expected goals, Miami with two, 1.9, so about two. They hit their number. They make the most of their chances, whereas Atlanta, with their 20 shots and seven on goal, had a 2.1 expected goal stat, but only ends up finding the back of the net once. So they definitely need a better finishing touch. Um, one other thing i got to point out here, guys. Inter-Miami's now on a three-game winning streak in league play. Three-game winning streak. I repeat it because I didn't believe it, the way they came out and the way they played the last two seasons. In my, my personal MLS philosophy is you are what you are until you're not. Miami is a not playoff-worthy team until they are not. So they are almost getting to that not status, right? They are on a three-game win streak. They finally found a hot striker and see if they can ride it. Meanwhile, Atlanta only has four points in the month of April. They got one more week to try and change that. There's that game on April 30th, 30th, last day of the month. But it's simply not good enough with or without an injured Joseph. Atlanta has to find that offensive touch. Now, staying in the east, staying in the warm temps of the south, uh, unfortunately, Orlando City's offense was not as warm as some of these temperatures have been, and they fall 3-0 to to the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Linares, Caceres Jr., and Morgan from the spot do the honors for the Red Bulls of New York, uh, despite them only having about 35% possession. Kind of know that about Red Bulls, though. They kind of play that counter-pressing style, uh, pressing, counter-pressing, high-pressing, high energy. So possession isn't really their thing. But in this case, Orlando, who has had a couple of good games, who has really kind of find their, finding their offensive rhythm. Pato has been getting into dangerous spaces. Kara has been finding the net. I think he scored two consecutive games uh, over the last two weeks. But unfortunately, none of those guys could do it here. Um, here's the big one, right? No shots on goal for Orlando to New York Six. In fact, only three shots total for Orlando, despite having about 65% of the possession. So that tells you the kind of possession that they had. Now let's keep rolling down here to look at some of the other stats. Um, Red Bulls were peppering them from all over the place. There was not one consistent area they were attacking. And look at look at this measly three little shots over here none on target they had two shots from inside the 18 that they could not put on target now that is not how a professional soccer team wins games now looking again at the expected goals only 0.1 for orlando terrible quality meanwhile the red bulls 
outperforming their expected goals, three uh, to two point three. Also, uh, Red Bulls continue their superb road form. They are now a perfect four wins, zero losses, zero draws on the road. Who to thunk it, right? Who to thunk team wants to go play on the road? That's good for the playoffs. So watch out if you catch this Red Bull team in this kind of form during the playoffs. Be careful. Going to be tough out. Tough out. Next up, Cincinnati hosting LAFC. Now, I didn't expect Cincinnati to win this game, and they lose 2-1. to one. Uh, Lucho Acosta opens up the scoring in stoppage time of the first half. So great for Cincy not to be content to go 0-0 into the locker room with a much better LAFC team. But then LAFC turns it on in the second half with Acosta and Masovsky getting the two goals to put them ahead and bring the three points home back to California. Now, before we get into further recap of LAFC, we have to recognize one of our best fans out here, Ramon, one of our guys who I am going to try and find this wonderful picture uh, that he sent us being out in L.A., cheering on his team, cheering on LAFC. Ramon, also, we really appreciate you, man, jumping into all of our lives. Um, let me see. What game did Mike do over there? Uh, where are we at? Yes. He was in on our lives. He was in on our – there he is. There we go. I'm still learning the, the StreamYard system here. So, Ramon, thank you for sending us the picture. My friend, thank you for being such a, a strong SOP supporter. Best of luck to your black and gold to LAFC, man. They, they had a good victory against Cincinnati. Um, I hope you enjoyed watching it, man. It looks like you're having a great time wherever you're at with, with your friends or family there. Gosh, the water behind you just makes my little Midwest heart just beat. Because, man, I wish I could be there with, <laughs> with you. That sunshine in the sea, man. That's beautiful. So, Ramon, thank you so much. And for all of our other Sons of a Pitch listeners, send us in your picture. Let us know what you're up to, what games you're going to, what what supporter sections you're hanging out in, what restaurants and bars and watch parties and things you're doing. And you know what? Go get some swag from our SOP shop. You can find the description or the link in the description here at YouTube. Go find the swag. Uh, if you're if you subscribe to the channel, you get a discount. And you know what? Send us some pictures. We actually have SOP t-shirt wearing soccer fans who have sent us pictures from all over the country and all over the world. Like we had one come in from Chelsea not too long ago. And we got our guys out in New York. We got guys out in L.A. I know Mike's worn some to Toronto and Chicago games. Like we are all over the place. It's great to see. And Ramon, love that you're sending us repping LAFC and, and just repping you and your friends and family and your love of soccer, man. So we, we really do appreciate it. Great to see this kind of level of fandom and this interaction, because this is what we want to do, man. It's crazy to think when Mike and I started this channel, hanging out in, in our basement and talking at work and, you know, recording stuff in garages and RVs, like we did not expect to connect with guys coast to coast, to connect with fans all over the world, even. And so it's great, Ramon, that, that you continue to be a big part of this and to continue uh, joining in this conversation, man. Thank you so much for that picture. Beautiful. Love to see it. Now, let's get back to your LAFC. 55% possession, 19 shots, 8 on goal. But here's the thing. Cincinnati looked like they put up a pretty good game. Would you guys agree? Did, did Cincy hold their own against the, the mighty LAFC here? Well, they had a lower lower passing accuracy, so maybe they weren't doing it on the, on the ground. But when you drop 13 crosses in, your accuracy is going to suffer. So we clearly see what their game plan was, trying to attack this LAFC back line from the air. Now, as we continue to scroll, let's take a look at some of the offensive opportunities. So even though they were getting those crosses, most of their shots did come from outside the box. Meanwhile, LAFC just peppering the box, peppering the goal from all over the place. Since these defense definitely had their work cut out for them in this game. Looking at the expected goals, since he actually had 1.4 expected goals, um, so they did get that one. They were pushing for a second. LAFC, though, making the most of their opportunities, finding three goals with a 1.8 expected goal. And for those of you who do like the stats, who do like the expected goal stats, penalty kicks do count towards your XG. There is a different statistic out there that is like XG minus PKs that will kind of factor out penalty kicks because it is such a high percentage shot. 
Um, but even then, it's not it's not a given, right? I think you see in MLS all the time, guys missing missing penalty shots. Like we looked at all the penalty shots in the U.S. Open Cup this past week, and there were a number of misses, uh, and even even some misses here in the MLS. So I, I think a penalty kick, depending on which statistic company you are looking at, is anywhere from like a 0.7 to a 0.9 on the expected goal scale. But LAFC gets the win. They get the three points. Ramon is happy. We're getting pictures. All is right in our little SOP world. Now, we're going to go see how it went terribly wrong in our little SOP world here. Because, Mike, as you know, one of our founders, you're, you're everyone's favorite Toronto fan here. Yeah, Toronto surrenders five goals to NYCFC despite dropping four of their own. And uh, they end up walking away from New York with nothing to show for it as far as points go. And we know this has been a great rivalry from the playoff performances. Toronto knocking off uh, New York from the playoffs for a couple of years in a row. Um, hey, Isaiah, uh, brother B BKO, I think, um, who else is out there? Uh, Daniel Young, you out there, man? Where's our sport entertainment guy? Like NYCFC fans, how are you feeling? You got to be loving this team. 11 goals in two games, five of them from Tati. Right, three from Andrade. They are just finding that offensive groove. Man, heck, who needs defense when you can score five and six goals a week? Right. Anyway, Toronto, though, let's let's talk about them for a second here. They, in my opinion, are kind of going through some of the typical struggles that you see when you are reloading. I wouldn't say Toronto is rebuilding. I wouldn't say they are, you know, cleaning house or anything like that. But they do have to. They have to bring up some young players. Bradley, Bob Bradley is still in his first season as a Toronto coach. Now, the man has coached everywhere else in the world and done it at the highest level. But it still takes a little time to figure out which players he's got on his TFC roster that he can put in the right places. And when you're finding guys to put in the right places, this is what happens. A little bit of this inconsistent play, some gaps in defense. Um, I actually kind of wanted to see if Michael Bradley was playing in the back line again because we saw how ineffective he has been uh, over the course of his TFC career when he has to play as a as a center back as opposed to more of a defensive midfielder, and maybe that contributed to it. So definitely let us know in the chat. Do you think Bradley is being played out of position? Toronto fans, New York fans, were you able to take advantage of Michael Bradley being in that area? Well, this is fantastic. Thanks, MLSsoccer.com, for not loading as quickly as I needed to as we do a broadcast here. In the meantime, let's take a look at some of my other notes here. Um, yeah, we understand how good of a coach Bradley is, but he is still figuring out the best way to utilize his players. Ah, here we go. No, Bradley started off, according to MLSsoccer.com, in this kind of defensive midfield, the role molar of that uh, traditional kind of passing center defensive mid here who kind of shuttles the ball from the defense to the offense. We know Bradley is an excellent passer. Anyone who's followed his career in, in Italy for the USMNT and here in the States knows how good he is at distributing the ball, especially from the central position. So it, great to see that they did not have to drop him back, but I'm sure given that NYCFC had, you know, five goals that he was playing a lot more defense than he needed to. Now let's get back to some of those statistics here, everybody, so we can kind of wrap up our recap for the week. Uh, TFC guys, how are you feeling? You think you got your head up? You still think you're gonna make the playoffs? He's just kind of waiting for Insigne to come on over, right? Now let's take a look at the XGs down here and see how it matches up. Uh, NYCFC 4.3 expected goals, so they surpassed that. Man, Toronto 1.2, so they definitely made the most to find four goals when only 1.2 were expected. So excellent offensive work by Toronto on this one. Now they just got to tighten up the defense a little bit. Now that does it for the game recaps. I want to show everyone the table here that we can kind of get a sense of things going on in the league here in the Eastern conference. And I only do the Eastern conference first, not because I love the Eastern conference so much, but just because that's how it pops up on the website. And that's usually the first games that are played. Um, but Philly sits atop the East with 17 points in eight games played. Now, if you are looking at kind of points per game, you want to have your team be right around that that two points per game. That is like a solid playoff lock. And if you are like 1.8 and above, uh, 1.7 and above, then you're in a good spot to make the playoffs. And so we see Philly is clearly there. We see New York is right, right there as well. And Orlando on the edge. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to see Atlanta still in the four spot after 
week eight because of their their struggles and they're down April here. Um, but you know what? A lot of the Eastern Conference teams, I guess, are struggling. As you see, Toronto, Montreal, and New York City rounding off that playoff line. We saw Chicago take a dip. You heard John Donovan talk about how they were how in just one week they go from above the line to below, and Cincinnati in its all too familiar spot at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Now, looking out west, this surprises me a little bit more. Not because LAFC is top of the West, best team in the league so far, and because LA is sitting here in third, but Austin in second. Look at that goals for. Look at that goal differential. Austin doing it on the offense and defense. Uh, Dallas has popped up into that fourth spot. Minnesota sitting in the fifth spot, kind of where we're expecting them. RSL, though, sitting in sixth. Everyone just keeps discounting RSL and they keep showing up in the playoffs. Uh, do they do much in the playoffs? That's a different question, different discussion, maybe a different podcast altogether, different YouTube channel, but here they are nonetheless in Houston. Now, remember, the Texas teams were terrible last year. Now we got one with a home playoff game if things ended today and another one squeaking its way into the playoffs. Um, Vancouver, San Jose, Kansas City running out the bottom. Now, Seattle is kind of a surprise here, but they're dealing with CCL. They can win that trophy, and then as Seattle has done in the past, turn things on in the second half of the season now we are going to shift gears real quick here away from mls and into u.s open cup we're, we're approaching the 50 minute mark here so we are going to do a quick roundup of all the u.s open cup games i got got my quick score sheet here oh you can't see it because of my cool uh blue green screen blue screen graphics oh here i am here i'm not um so let's take a quick look running it down here from Tuesday the 19th, we had Cincinnati defeat the Pittsburgh Riverhounds 2-0. Again, sorry, this is the third round. MLS teams are now in it. They're part of it. You've had the lower divisions work their way up to this point in the in this knockout tournament. By the way, I did do a U.S. Open Cup history video over on my channel, Wife Children House. So if you want to search for a brief history of the U.S. Open Cup, Wife Children House, it's the quickest way to find the video on my channel. Uh, and we talk about the U.S. Open Cup, the teams that have had historical success, how it got founded, how it grew. And it's the third longest continuing soccer tournament in the world and the longest uh, such tournament in American professional sports. A little trivia for you next time you're out at your bar trivia night. If they do soccer trivia, I would be stunned. Anyway, getting back to these scores again, since he knocks off the Riverhounds of Pittsburgh, Flower City Union falls to D.C. United 3-0, uh, Miami FC loses to Inter-Miami 1-0. Uh, this was the big cup set, as they're saying. Uh, Detroit City FC beats the Columbus Crew 2-1. And uh, if there's any Detroit City fans out there, send me a message. Let me know. I'm actually heading up there uh, this weekend to take in the game. And I am excited to see all the things that Detroit has to offer from a fan base. I've heard fantastic things about Detroit City. Uh, Chicago draws Union Omaha, but Omaha advances on PKs. A little bit of a dust up after that game when the Omaha fans were taunt or the Omaha players were taunting the Chicago fans. And uh, good on Rafael Chijos for getting in their faces and telling them, get out of here. We don't do that here. Get out of here. I don't know if he told them to act like you've been here kind of speech or he just said, get out of here. Why are you taunting fans? Anyway, embarrassing for Union Omaha despite the fact that they advance. Uh, Dallas beats Tulsa two to one. Houston beats the Toros of Rio Grande Valley, uh, Rio Grande Valley two to one. Uh, the Galaxy beats San Diego Loyal one nothing, and San Jose the Quakes five nothing victors over Bay City's FC. Now your Wednesday, April twentieth games. The Rochester Rhinos advance on PKs against Motown FC. Uh, Greenville falls to Charlotte two to one. Uh, Red Bull New York defeats Hartford 2-1, and Minnesota United defeats Ford Madison 2-0 as well. Uh, Ford Madison, some of the best uniforms in USL, as well as being the Chicago Fire affiliate. I don't know if they still have that in place. If anyone has any other details on that, please reach out let me know. Orlando City beats the Tampa Bay Rowdies 2-1. Atlanta just smothers Chattanooga FC 6-0. Apparently Atlanta is using all their offense uh, in the U.S. Open Cup. Technically, they're still the defending champs since everything got canceled the last two seasons from COVID and the defending victor holds the cup. Uh, Louisville City played St. Louis 2 to a 0-0 draw, but Louisville advances on the PKs. 
Uh, San Antonio, here is the here's another surprise. San Antonio beats Austin two to one. Uh, but hey, Austin is just rolling in the league, so maybe they didn't care too much about the open cup. Um, I don't know what sort of lineup they rolled out. And we had an interesting discussion on uh, one of Mike's videos about, you know, do we expect MLS teams to play uh, starting lineups? Do we expect them to play full squads against USL teams? And and no, the answer is no, because they got to save their squad for the games that that are going to get them points in the standings or get them closer to a trophy. And what I had heard in some other reporting, I think it was David Goss over at MLSsoccer.com uh, or on Extra Time, the league's podcast, saying like, when a USL side plays an NISA side or when a USL championship side plays USL one or two side, they're, they're doing the same strategy as an MLS club playing a lower division club, right? You play kind of your bench guys and then throw your starters in late in the game, 60 plus minute. And then that way you keep your legs fresh for when you make it to the next round and the games have a much higher stake, especially in the US Open Cup where the last team standing from each of the tiers in uh, professional soccer in America gets like a huge cash bonus, right? So all the more reason to make sure that your guys are there at the, at the later games ready to go. So MLS teams are playing their benches. They're playing, you know, some of their homegrowns, youth development guys going out against these USL teams. So there was a huge opportunity for these upsets. Um, you, you don't want to do it like Chicago and put in one of your starters in the 90th minute, unless you thought he was going to do it an extra time. Um, which Shabilko didn't, but anyway, that's beside the point here, um, to finish up our U S open cup recap, RSL falls to the Northern Colorado hailstorm, probably one of the best names in USL and LAFC routes, orange County five to one. So friends, fans, SOPs, everyone out there. I want to thank you for sticking with us for this, you know, 50 plus minute podcast and YouTube episode. It's been so much fun talking soccer. I'm probably not going to have a voice. I have been having so much of a great time celebrating Orthodox Easter with my friends and family, watching soccer, doing the videos, chatting with you all. It has been an incredible experience. And if you want to keep the conversation going, if you want to join in and even more so, please like the video, subscribe to the SOP Soccer Central channel, subscribe not just clicking the subscribe button by joining as a member and getting all the perks of emojis, discount swag, get your name scrolling around here on the bottom, like Grandma, Crypto Joe, Rocky at Talking to Woods, Sunmina NSM, Heavy Money Records, Todd B, Ramon, thanks for the picture. All of our other friends, send in what you got, sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com. Whoo, that's a lot. You can also find me on my own personal channel, Wife Children House on youtube or on twitter at wife kids house doing a little soccer sketch comedy talking chicago fire i think i'm right at 100 subscribers would love to hit that century mark because that's when the door opens for all sorts of cool new youtube type stuff anyway again like subscribe share spread the conversation grow the game thank you all for being such a great audience great viewers great listeners and all around the greatest soccer community that i have ever been a part of thanks everyone and have a great week.